This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 7, Episode 18. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows. We welcome you here today. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and joined today by Matthew Marister. Hello, sir. And I just realized I don't have a script in front of me, so I, I think I forgot to say, presented by Silencer Shop, our title sponsor of the podcast. But they also happen to be a, spon- a specifically mentioned sponsor of today's episode as well. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit more on that in just a moment here. I also wanted to remind everyone of when we say network of shows, we've got the off-duty, on-duty podcast that Brian Eastridge hosts. Uh, we've got the uh, Firearm Trainers podcast that uh, Rob Beckman hosts. Uh, you can still find episodes of Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast even. So, guys, uh, please go check out our network of shows. We appreciate you supporting them and supporting us and supporting our sponsors for being a part of this. You know, before long, we'll be coming up on seven years of doing the Concealed Carry podcast. How we are still around, still on the air, talking about stuff. I don't know, Matthew. but <laughs> We haven't gotten banned yet. <laughs> That's a miracle in and of itself, for sure. <laughs> but uh, welcome, everyone, and those of you that are joining us live. And if you can't catch us live, uh, we welcome you as well. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Silencer Shop, our title sponsor. Guess what, Matthew? I didn't tell you this before uh, we kicked off the show, but I am really excited right now because I got an email this morning from the ATF. Now, mm, that's fun. Normally, that's like, a, oh, <laughs> man, what's this? Uh, especially since uh, with KSG Armory, we, we had to get a, our FFL uh, for, uh, you know, having guns in the shop. And, and, you know, we actually test fit all of the holsters that KSG makes with live guns uh, with barrel blocks installed, of course. Um, and, and I do get notices from ATF with respect to, you know, just like any other dealer gets. But this was one that put a smile on my face because it was one saying, your e-forms four or your e-form four form, whatever, your application has been approved. <laughs> so uh, I've got a suppressor, uh, which I purchased through Silencer Shop, and it is ready for pickup. Nice. So when we are done recording this episode today... Uh, at some point today, before that, my shop where that thing is still stuck in jail, I'll be <laughs> swinging by there and picking it up. So, cool. kudos to Silencer Shop uh, for not only I mean I, I I picked up this was this was a relatively inexpensive suppressor. It's a YHM uh, uh, Resonator K, so it's a Resonator model, which is a 30 caliber model, and then the K designator means it's the shorter version. Uh, it'll work with either my 300 blackout or on my 223 or 556 uh, ARs and which was kind of part of the point I wanted to have kind of a dual purpose uh, cam and uh, the price was really really excellent I can't remember it's been so long <laughs> it's taken eight months to get the approval on this one uh, can't remember what I paid for it but it wasn't very much at all I remember I was like you know I'm gonna go ahead and just snag one of those because uh, it was on sale at the time and it was already a pretty inexpensive can. It might not hold with the likes of Surefire or some of those you know top brands, but I'm thrilled to get it and I look forward to test firing it. Silencershop.com, folks, uh, to pick up you know whether you want to purchase a suppressor or if you just want to use their services for guiding you through the application process for your tax stamp and for the approval and all that from the ATF. 
do it. So head on over to silencershop.com. Also, uh, today's episode is sponsored by Mountain City Supply. Uh, it's our choice for ammunition that we use here at ConcealedCarry.com. It's my personal choice uh, for ammunition and uh, use it in my competitive shooting, use it in practice, use it in training. Uh, we, we use their ammo at the Guardian Conference again this year, and they, it, it keeps getting better and better. Uh, so I, I've been super impressed with the ammo I've been putting through my guns as of late. I can't remember the last time I had a malfunction, uh, and I'm I'm primarily one of those that tests their ammo uh, because of the volume that I shoot compared to most people. You know, they send stuff my way, and I run it through my guns. And I haven't had anything fail to go boom in a long time. That's a good sign from a, from a, a relatively newer up and coming company and also one that's struggling like everybody else is in an yes. industry where there's shortages and supply ch- chain challenges and all that stuff. Uh, it's hard to make quality ammo in the current you know state of the market. Sure. So they're doing the best they can. They're doing a phenomenal job, I have to say. And I just play and love shooting their stuff, and they're good people to boot. So check out Mountain City Supply by going to mountaincitysupply.com. And we appreciate, again, you supporting our sponsors that support us. So, oh, I forgot, failed to mention Guardian Nation members save. There's, uh, I think there are variable discounts depending on which ammo you buy from you know which caliber you buy but there is discounts available when you buy ammo from mountain city supply if you're a guardian nation member so let's get into today's topic matthew yeah we're here to talk about managing risk in a violent world is well the title of this episode and and this can be i think a topic that is both broad as broad or as narrow as we want to try to make it, sure. uh, I think it can definitely be quite broad. And how we got talking about this was, be, I started sharing with you how I took my daughter, my 11-year-old daughter, to her first concert last night. Uh, you know, we went, like, it was a legit band concert not not the you know the, the middle school or high school uh, band concert but <laughs> but we we went to uh we went to a really cool venue um saw her current favorite artist perform and had a just a, an awesome time uh but there was a lot that led up to that because i was a little unsure if i wanted to allow my 11 year old daughter to go there first of all uh and wasn't sure about the venue, had never been there before, wasn't sure what the people were going to be like, uh, all kinds of things, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. but it, it was a big step for me as a father and a big step for her, you know, cause she, something she really wanted to be able to do. And, uh, it, it, it turned out really great. We had a great time, mm-hmm. but the conversation kind of was like, you know, we, we didn't know what we were getting into and there was all these potential risks, um, everything from the venue could have been crappy, it could have been dirty, to uh, the environment could have been too mature for my 11-year-old. That was a big concern for me. Sure. Uh, the crowd could have been unruly or crazy or even violent, you know. Uh, there was no mosh pitting or anything like that. <laughs> uh, so, that was, you know, but all those kinds of things were concerns. And then all the way down to... It could have been, you know, uh, and it certainly was on my mind after recent uh, mass shootings, mm-hmm. which uh, unfortunately have hit the 
the the news in the last couple of weeks um, that hey, I'm going to this public place with a couple thousand other people, mm-hmm. um, and it's a venue that was very clear about don't bring weapons, right? Yeah. No, no pepper spray, no knives of any kind. Um, no, it's even said no multi-tools, okay? No flashlights over three inches, no guns, obviously, uh, no ammunition. Uh, I mean, there was quite, it was a very specific list, you know, which actually I have to say I appreciate because I've been to venues before where they're not, sometimes not specific enough about what's, what exactly is prohibited. This one was very clear. And, you know, and not knowing what the venue is actually going to be like. And, you know, of course, we could go down the whole rabbit hole of it being a non-permissive environment. But, like, do I still carry some of those tools anyway and try to get away with it? Um, I wasn't going to take that chance because I didn't know what I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had no idea how sophisticated or unsophisticated their security protocols would be, uh, how thoroughly they were searching people. If they had metal, actual metal detectors, you had to walk through, et cetera, et cetera. And so... Um, all those things are going through my head, you know, and I'm thinking at the end of the day, I want to take my, my 11 year old daughter to enjoy something that she really wants to do. Like it's on her bucket list basically. Right. Hmm. But I want to be able to do it safely and get both of us home safely. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we end up with this uh, topic of discussion here today is managing risk in like in living. And basically by that is like, we are here as human beings. Um, now we, we we don't necessarily get super gospely on the podcast, but or as sons and daughters of God, mm-hmm. right? To live our lives and and also enjoy life, right? Uh, I believe we all have a purpose in life, okay? But like part part of that is to enjoy this life, because yeah. if it wasn't you know enjoyable, then like. <laughs> I, I don't know what you think about or believe about God. I actually, I have a pretty good idea. I think about what you, believe, <laughs> but you know, that just sounds like a, not a very fun time, you know, like, yeah. like it's not worth it kind of thing. No, but we're here to, to enjoy life. And like, how do we do that in a violent world? And part of that, a big part of that is managing risk. Yeah. So there you go. That, I've, I've talked way too long, but kind of creating some of the context for our discussion here today. No, uh, I, I'm going to throw it to you now. Like what's your thoughts and opinions and where do we go from here? Yeah, no, I, I think what you, I was happy that you proposed this because in the whole idea of managing risk, we do it in every in every aspect of our life, whether it's, you know, how we, um, you know, w- what purchases we're going to make, what we're going to, you know, w- how we condition our bodies. Are we, you know, if you if you don't work out and you eat, you know, a bunch of junk food. Well, you're not managing the risk of your health, you know, the, the, so, so we're always managing risk. And I think sometimes, um, you know, if somebody were to read like my blog posts or go on your Instagram, you know, feed and see, you know, you, you, you carry a gun and you, you're training constantly. Right. And, and I'm telling people, you know, Hey, um, you know, you should be prepared. And, and these are, uh, you know, kind of, a situational awareness, things that you should be doing when you're out in public, but somebody could take that and and go to the extreme with it where they don't even leave their home. And I think there's a balance Mm -hmm. of, and that's where the managing the risk is that 
we, we, we are going to allow a certain amount of risk into our lives. We do it all the time when we get in the vehicle and drive. And sure, we don't want to go to, you know, the worst part of town at 3 a.m. And, and start, you know, messing with crackheads on the street. We're probably something bad will probably happen, right? Like, but, um, but at the same time, we don't want to miss opportunities to spend time with our family, our, our daughter who, you know, you, you take that, that bonding time that you have taking your daughter to a venue and say, no, we're not going to go because they don't like, you know, they won't uh, uh, allow me to have a firearm in there. So therefore you're not going. And, and I think that that's the wrong, I think that's where, you know, um, certainly there are things that, and we'll talk about what you did, leading up to that, to make that decision and how you, you came to that decision and said, okay, yeah, this is something that this is the risk I'm willing to take. Um, and this is what I'm going to do based off of what, you know, um, what, what's going on. And so, um, I think that in the, we have to live practically and not just in a, like in, in, online, like, oh, I wouldn't go there. They don't let me take my gun there. I won't go there, you know? Um, and, and certainly, you know, if you have a choice to choose a place, it will allow you to bring your gun. Great. Um, but sometimes it, you, you can't, you know, there are people that can't afford to quit their job because their boss doesn't like firearms. They can't afford to. Uh, and you can't just, the, the advice can't just be, well, if your boss doesn't like firearms and you find a d- different job, I did, you know, that, mm-hmm. that might work for you, but it's not. So how do we manage risk? Uh, what are some things that we can do so we can still live our lives, make good choices, um, but when it comes to those situations where it's like, man, I can't take a firearm, right? I have to go unarmed. Um, what are some things that we could do to maybe, um, be more prepared in those situations or, or, uh, ha- have a plan? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and you're, you're spot on with uh, kind of your, the approach you've taken thus far and your, your statement there, uh, that, I mean, it is so, it's a very common phrase that I run into, uh, that we run into, that we see even on our concealedcarry.com uh, social media pages where people, you know, will comment something effective. Well, I'm, I'm not going to give that business my my money or I'm not going to give them my business because uh, because they're anti-gun or uh, whatnot. Or I'm not going to go, you know, to that place because it's in a bad part of town or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, well, I, 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 get, I get where those statements are coming from. And I've even said similar things at times. Um, although, you know, as I've gotten older, wiser, more nuanced in my own personal experiences, I think some of those attitudes have changed somewhat. But um, like, we're all about managing or minimizing risk here at Concealed Carry Podcast. I mean, we've been consistent on that since the beginning. You know, we're, I mean, even with a recent episode, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, the uh, isolate the family, defend the room, you know, concepts. Um, we just hashed that out, what, a couple episodes ago? Yeah. Touched on some of that again, you know? Like, that's all about minimizing risk, right? Like, isolate your family, well, however that is, whatever that looks like. If that means, if it's you and your spouse uh, that live alone, uh, well, you barricade your bedroom door, you know, you got to break in into your home, barricade in your bedroom behind a barricaded door arm yourself and wait for, you know, if, if we'll wait for first responders, obviously, you know, place a 911 call. Um, but you know, you just hunker down until 
somebody comes through that door, forces their way through that door, intend to hurt you. Well, that's the tactically sound choice and the the one that minimizes risk the most. Um, don't go out, you know, trying to stop thieves stealing your car or your stuff, you know, from your front lawn. <clears throat> Because doing so increases your your risk, uh, physically as well as legally, uh, potentially. And so we're all about minimizing risk. And certainly, you know, especially since, uh, especially I would say since the riots of 2020, you know, that hit a lot of major met- metropolitan areas. I live 15 minutes from downtown Denver, uh, with, you know, on a good day with no traffic. Uh, I don't go out of, you know, I don't make it a point to to frequent downtown Denver that often. Uh as in fact as little as I possibly can. There's number one, there's not a whole lot down there for me. But you know, one thing that is downtown is uh Coors Field. And we enjoy my family, we love it, you know, taking in a, a baseball game or two a season. We actually didn't make it this year, which was no, I took my daughter for her birthday. That's right. The other daughter, <laughs> the older of the two daughters, went to a baseball game for her birthday. And the younger of the two, for an early Christmas present, went with me to the concert last night. So we did make it to at least a couple of us made it to a Rockies game earlier this year. Um, but you know, I I don't go, I don't I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't unnecessarily go to stupid places at stupid times of the day, you know, where there may be stupid people about uh, doing stupid things because that increases our risk. Uh, But at the same time, like it's really easy to say, well, I'm just not going to do that. And I'm just going to never, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to do anything fun in life. Well, that's a bit of an extreme statement even in itself, but that's kind of the attitude sometimes is that, and you touched on that, like you can get to a point where if you're so bent on minimizing risk that you just don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You just stay at home and be, become a hermit. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that, that just doesn't sound like a lot of fun. And so, one of the common things is that people will sometimes take the approach of, well, I'm not going to visit or frequent a business where I cannot carry a gun. And again, I understand where that's coming from. And I, as a, as a general rule, I, I, I avoid places where I can't be armed as that's not, <laughs> I don't like that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, kind of like pretty much all of you listening to this podcast right now. And so, but at the same time, you know, my 11-year-old daughter comes to me and says, Dad, you know, such such artist is going to be in Denver November 28th, 29th. Uh, that's my favorite band. I want to go see that. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'd love for you to be able to have that experience, you know, because I want my daughter, I want all my children to be able to do those things and pursue those things in life that they're passionate about, that they enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, that are worthwhile. And I, I don't mind this, uh, this, you know, music that she listens to. It, it's approved by me and her mother. Uh, so, you know, we think it's a, a decent artist. And so like, yeah, that'd be cool. All right. But if I had the hardline stance of, well, dear, um, they don't allow guns there and your dad, your pops, he just doesn't go places that don't let him carry a gun. So sorry, tough beans. 
that's not really fair to my daughter. Now, some would say, well, but it's your responsibility to protect her. Yeah, it is. It's also my responsibility to help her live a fulfilling life. And if I wanted to, and, and I mean a fulfilling life, that doesn't mean a safe life. Because we could take all of our children and lock them up in a padded room and guarantee, except we can't because there's always, you know, that chance that they get some kind of disease or cancer, (laughs) but we could basically guarantee from an outside external physical uh, influence, we can, we can lock our kids up or lock them down and ensure they're safe. But what kind of existence is that? Right. Yeah. So we, we, we can't go that far. Yeah. And and so I think at that point, when you make that decision, okay, um, you know, what, what, what do I have to do to, to, if let's use the, the, uh, the concert as an example, a practical example. Um, what are some things that you did, um, to make that decision? It wasn't obviously, Hey, um, I'm not going to look into this club at all. I'm just going to say yes, because you want to go and I want to make you happy. It's okay. You know, I, I know this is important to you. Uh, I doesn't, you know, I'm not, great. You know, I'm not happy about not being able to take a firearm, but let me see if I can mitigate the risk or what this venue is. And so, so what are some of the things I know we talked about it earlier, but, um, you know, bullet point type things that you did that, um, got you to the point where you said, Hey, I'm willing to take that risk and and take my daughter here. Yeah. Uh, great, great, great questions. So first of all, you know, looking at something like that, I am going to approach this from a personal perspective, meaning that I'm going to approach this from the angle of I am thinking in the context of something my daughter, my child wants to do. And so first off was evaluating the particular, you know, artist that she wanted to see, um, you know, whether I felt like that would be good or not for her, for particularly for a, a young lady of her age. Uh, she's 11 years old. So that's, that's, you know, still relatively young. Um, and, uh, you know, her mother and I are pretty careful about the outside influences uh, that, that, you know, we allow to be a part of her life. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. So first of all, all right. The artist. Okay. I don't, I don't mind them. It's, it's good music. She enjoys it. Her mom and I have listened to it. We enjoy it. Um, so that's cool. All right. That's not a problem. Secondly, looking at the venue, and this is a big one, especially since it's a venue I was not personally familiar with. So uh, I did ask around a couple people I knew. I was like, hey, have you ever been to this venue? And unfortunately, nobody within my immediate circle of friends uh, hadn't been there before. It's rel- it's a relatively new venue. It's only been in operation since 2019, and COVID happened in 2020. And so they were shut down for a good while. So not a lot of opportunities for, for people to, you know, get familiar with that venue yet. But going off the fact that it was relatively new and newly constructed, I was like, well, that's, it's, it's, you know, this isn't like a, you know, in the, in the, in a basement of some old, you know, building in downtown Denver uh, that, you know, who knows what kind of, you know, there's quite a history that, that, accompanies it or whatever. No, this was a, this is a pretty brand new facility. Uh, I started uh, reading online and the best thing to do was to, since I didn't have any local 
uh, contacts that had direct experience. I just started looking up all the different reviews I could. Uh, Google was an excellent resource. Looking at that particular facility, reading Google reviews, and fortunately, most of or all pretty much all the reviews were overwhelmingly positive. Talk continue like the most common threads were, uh, you know, like I of statements that came out of those reviews were things like uh, very clean, you know, uh, safe, um, you know, close to parking, you know, stuff I wanted to hear. Cause I'm, I'm thinking of this from a perspective of, well, I got to get down there with my daughter. We got to, you know, park somewhere. Where's that parking going to be? Cause it's the transitional spaces that are, that typically are going to have the most immediate risk, um, with something like this. And obviously we could talk about the specific risk within the venue, but like I got to get from point A to point B. So uh, what'd that look like? Well, Oh, I've dis- I discovered they have a parking garage. That's basically underneath the ground in the venue is basically on top of that. And I'm like, Oh, that's really convenient. Now parking garages, right. Could be, you know, that could be its own thing too. It's, it's still a transitional space. Um, but I thought, Hey, um, and reading from reviews, people talk, commented about how well lit the parking garages were, how close to the venue, how you just go right up some stairs and you're right there in the venue. And I was like, that's got its own advantages because there's other offsite parking surrounding that venue that maybe one, two, three, four blocks away. And the parking one, two, three, four blocks away was cheaper, but I'm out on in the open street after dark. Uh, in North Denver, you know, having to walk multiple blocks with my 11 year old, uh, something I didn't want to do. So parking, figured that out, figured out we could park really close. Uh, and, uh, that was helpful to know. Um, and I just kept looking and I even, you know, was searching through different reviews and searching by keywords like, uh, security, safety, um, I searched words like cops or police or that kind of thing, security guards. And I, I didn't come up with any red flags. So I came away from it feeling pretty good about the the venue, although I hadn't been there yet. And then um, I also had to look at the specific rules. So I knew exactly what I could and could not uh, carry into the venue. And there was not a whole lot of information about what type of security screening to expect. So I didn't want to take any uh, unnecessary risks there as far as like getting nabbed at the door and not being able to, you know, it'd be unfortunate to have to get rejected. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I want to take my daughter to the thing and I don't want to disappoint her. Um, And the one thing that was a little bit questionable was they, uh, all weapons were prohibited. Um, and uh, a lot, as well as light or lasers, and also it said like flashlights over three inches. Well, this is what I'm holding up here is uh, is just a hair over three inches. Uh, and actually, I did I was able to get into the the event with this. Um, they let it they let it slide, um, and that was perfect because I could have gone in with a smaller light. I could have taken one of our ready up gear uh, uh, flashlights, uh, but you know, this one's just got a little bit more punch. And if I'm going to only have one real defensive tool, cause I couldn't really have a whole heck of a lot else. Um, I wanted the most powerful, uh, defensive flashlight I could basically pack. Uh, and this one certainly fits that bill for, for its size. 
And this is so this was uh, my mod light PLV PLHV two thousand lumens of very very concentrated light. Um, it's pretty much immediately blinding and dang near incapacitating, especially at close distance. And it's short, but I could do a little bit of striking with it. So I was like, all right, that's my tool. And I, <laughs> I think I can sneak that in. I And I, I was glad that, yeah, it, it, it got in just fine. So um, researching what I could and could not do and what I could and could not carry. And then, you know, um, kind of put the whole package together and thought, well, you know, if anything along the way, as we arrive there as we park there as we walk into the venue if anything along the way didn't feel right to me uh especially in the context of trying to protect my little girl then we were just gonna you know boogie on out of there and I made sure i managed expectations with her that hey look uh i know you really want to do this thing but if dad says that something's not right then then we're going and she understood that and she's a smart gal and of course she's she's my spawn so <laughs> <laughs> so uh she gets that kind of stuff you know so i'm gonna i'm gonna like uh put this into five the five p's now i there might be more i'm just gonna just i'm just throwing this out because of what you said and i was just jotting some things down so so as far as venue preparation or venue research, um, you're going to look at the place of the venue, where it's located, uh, kind of get an idea. Is it a high crime area, low crime area, uh, that type of thing. You're going to have a plan, right, with whoever you're going with. If it, you're, we're using your daughter, uh, you're going to have some sort of plan that you're going to um, this is what's going to happen. If daddy says this, we're going to go. If don't, don't ask why don't like this and you get the buy-in and, and you have that plan, right? Uh, going to look at parking. How far is parking? Where do we got to, how far do we have to walk? Is it, you know, is it nearby in those types of things? The policy of the venue, what can I bring? What can I bring? Uh, do they have, you know, uh, do they have police there, um, or security? So, you know, those five would be, uh, Police policy, parking, the place, and the plan. That's my my attempt to be a Jacob. And, and, and the five P's. Right. <laughs> if, I, if I was Jacob, I'd have something better. But uh, that was kind of my on the fly <laughs> five P's uh, <laughs> to venue research. And, and I think doing those things uh, gives you an idea. And obviously, you can't know uh, what's going on. But those are five things that you could, you could do, cursory things that you could do um, just – is part of your calculus to say, Hey, is this, is this worth, you know, the risk? And, uh, and, and I think that that's a good starting point. Yeah. Yeah. And let me touch on a couple of, uh, things that I may have glossed over a little bit. Uh, so like crime in the area, uh, I'm, I'm quite familiar with that area having actually, uh, back when I, did the construction thing. You know, when I had a construction business, I actually evaluated a, a couple of projects in that area, um, bid on one of them, in fact. And uh, it's, the nice thing is it's a kind of a little bit of a revitalized part of town. It's kind of coming back. Uh, you know, used to be probably not somewhere I'd want to definitely be caught after dark alone, you know, uh, like a decade or so ago. <laughs> um but uh, it's definitely improved significantly. And there's enough like um, kind of new venue kind of stuff in that area that's being, that's been constructed and, you know, enough people around uh, that, it, you know, it's not, it's not as likely that you're going to be caught in some dark street corner all alone, you know, and um, completely defenseless. And so um, 
definitely not, you know, my, my choice of neighborhood that I want to hang around, you know, regularly or whatever, but that's true of like a lot of places. Sure. <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, the other thing was like, was I wanted to know, especially in light of, I mean, this would have been true regardless, but it's definitely one of those things. that's a little bit more in the forefront of the mind since, uh, like the club Q shooting, uh, that one specifically, cause that one happened at a venue. Um, yeah, there was the Walmart shooting, you know, as well, um, around the same time frame, but you know, just a week or so ago, but, um, but, you know, here being at this venue where there's going to be a couple thousand people like, and, and I, I'm not allowed to carry my own defensive tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know that there's somebody else there that's capable of defend of defending me of taking you know if you're going to tell me you can't come here with your defensive tools then you need to take responsibility for my safety mm-hmm. right that's how i look at that and i don't feel like they're taking my safety seriously if they don't have armed security personally um, a lot of venues um, are going to have you know security and bouncers and whatnot um, and a lot of those guys aren't going to be armed necessarily um, but what I, what I suspected, and I couldn't get confirmation of this, but I suspected that there would be a fair amount of police presence there. And, uh, that, that was, that was true. Um, I walked in and immediately picked out a couple of right, right close at the main entrance. There were two Denver PD cops right there posted up, uh, both armed. And, uh, there were a couple others hanging around too. So, um, you know, it's like, okay, that's, that's something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I ended up actually talking with one of those cops very briefly and, uh, he seemed like a pretty good, you know, dialed in dude. So, so that's something at least, but again, here's the thing, like we have to just look at all these things. Right. And like, I see Ken's comment here and he says, I try only to spend my money at places that are two a or pro two a isn't always possible, but it's worth taking the extra steps to find alternative places. So, totally get that and totally support that, right? Like I want to support pro 2A businesses as well. Um, but like, as Ken admits, it isn't always possible. Uh, but can we find other, you know, alternative means? Well, my daughter wants to see a specific group perform. There's one place that can happen. <laughs> so there's not an alternative, you know what I mean? And you're not, you know in what, in today's world, you're not going to find any concert that I can think of uh, that they're going to let you come in with a gun mm-hmm. or other defensive tools, really. So uh, if you enjoy the music scene, the performance scene, the, the concert scene, if that's something that you want to do, or sports, you want to go to a baseball game, a football game, a basketball game, particularly at the pro sports uh, level, uh, if you want to do those things, if those things are something that you enjoy, then you're probably not going to be able to avoid um, supporting those events, even though you can't carry your gun into those events. Yeah. It, and it, so that's, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, something just popped in my head and, you know, I'm scatterbrained, so I'll probably forget it. So I appreciate you letting me jump in because as you were talking, something jumped, you know, popped in my head that like we understand that the gun 
isn't the only thing. The gun doesn't make us safe, right? Like we actually have to use the gun appropriately. We have to know how to use the gun. So I think um, if I could explain it in this way is that um, not having your gun doesn't make you completely defenseless or it shouldn't just like having a gun doesn't ensure that you won't be harmed. Now, that's not to say that the firearm isn't a fantastic tool, but having the tool, right, you could go to a venue that allows you to have a firearm and get into a, uh, an altercation that you can't extricate yourself from, right? You can't avoid, and it's not a deadly force. And, you know, a, a gun isn't the right tool. So, I think the point, like what I'm trying to say is we don't all have to have, you know, degrees in Muay Thai or, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or something, right? Like to uh, to have an idea of how to defend ourselves without a gun. We should be able to defend ourselves with a gun and also without a gun. And so when we have the firearm and have the ability to carry that um, and we do that as much as we possibly can, um, that gives us another tool. But to think that if I don't have that tool, then somehow I'm at the mercy of, you know, everyone. Well, yeah, you're, you, you may be outgunned. Um, but I think that if we could give some, if I, if I could say this is that don't have that, don't even go into the men, go, go into something with that mentality because you've already lost, right? Like, so what are some options that you can make yourself a, 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 you know, uh, for for defensive purposes that you can use even when you're armed and it's not a deadly force encounter or you're with your daughter at a, at a you know at a concert and you can't carry a firearm and you know what what are some things that we can look at to do uh, personally through training or um situational awareness things that we, you know we pay attention to people we we uh, identify try to identify threats before they're right in our face we pay attention in, in those uh, transitional spaces. We position ourselves in your exits. If there's a fire or if there is a shooting across the, the whole, you know, the, the whole venue, um, things that we can do that don't involve a gun, but are every bit as effective in keeping us alive in, in any sort of, you know, in, in a specific con- uh, conflict or, or incident. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate your thoughts there. You know, uh, yeah, that's all spot on. I was thinking, you know, too, that, um, you're not always defenseless. Uh, the thought that came to my mind as you were going through that, uh, little diatribe, no, <laughs> um, was, um, just how, like, what what happens when people take this approach of, well, I can't carry a gun there, so I'm therefore not going to go there, is that that's, this does, this goes, this kind of goes against a, a, a philosophy of life that I, that I already have, like, because this is just how I operate, and I hate focusing on the things that I can't do. I don't like living my life that way of always focusing on the on the negative side of things if that makes sense as opposed to the the positive side like a positive like affirming uh, way of living your life would be what can i do right and so you know going into that venue um and looking at it from and i definitely was doing this like i walked in and i was like okay here's where the doors and exits are here's where the bathrooms are located 
here is this other little, you know, area that maybe has uh, some cover or like, I'm, I'm already like walking through the space and I'm taking everything in and thinking in terms of escape routes, evasion, um, hiding, uh, defense, you know, defending cover, all like taking that all in, right. Uh, locating alternative exits. This is a large venue. So like uh, there can't just be the main entrance, right? So I'm already thinking, okay, what, what, what do I know building code requires? Well, exit signs. So I'm looking, where's the exit signs? Oh, there's an exit sign. And it's pointing, okay, there, okay. And you start picking out this stuff so that you know where you can get out if you need to get out. Uh, and then we, we had just general admission, uh, seats. So, uh, uh, Fortunately, we were there early enough that we could pretty much choose about whatever we wanted. And we chose some seats that were really close to an exit. And that was definitely very intentional. And I made sure to communicate with my daughter, like, hey, look, sweetie, um, if X happens or if I say our our safe word, uh, et cetera, et cetera, whatever that is, like, there's the exit. So you know, so I'm making sure she knows. And if it's go time, like I'm grabbing your little hand or arm and we're beelining to that exit door <laughs> and she, you know, Oh yeah, I understand dad. You know, she nods her head and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, good. Um, it's that way she and I are on the same page. Right. So, and even when I was, si- when we were sitting last night in our section of, of the seating, uh, besides the exit, I was thinking, like, even though it was about as close as I could get to that exit uh, without standing next to it, um, yeah, you know, I was still some, you know, couple of dozen feet away from it or whatever, right? So, is there a possibility that for whatever reason I can't get to that exit? Um, that's certainly a possibility for whatever reason. So, then I'm looking at for alternate escape routes, looking for alternate places, and I actually found a really clever little spot that I felt like I could probably uh, seclude ourselves in and, and, you know, pretty much be hidden, uh, if for some reason we had no other choice, but to just hide. Right. Mm -hmm. And then of course, you know, you want to be thinking about what can you do to actually defend your, like to take action. Now, my first thought is in this context, because again, I'm, especially since I'm responsible for a minor, a child, um, I'm not thinking, I'm not, my mind is not first, like, what can I do to take action to, you know, stop the attack or whatever it is that's happening? That's not my, that's, that's like last resort is what that is. Um, but you want to be thinking about that kind of stuff too. And I'm looking around and like, what kind of tools do I, you know, I've got my flashlight here, but you know, Oh, look, there's a, you know, there was uh, some, uh, uh, ADA accessible seating and, uh, they had uh, metal folding chairs, you know, for, companions to those that would maybe be wheeled in in a wheelchair or whatever, right? So there's others, you know, just folding chairs, metal chairs. And I'm like, well, metal chair is a weapon or a space maker, you know, distance creator. Mm -hmm. So um, you got to look at all those things. Those are all opportunities. And that's what I'm trying to get at, I guess, with this diatribe is those are positive ways of thinking. Like, what can I do? Not focusing on the negative of, well, I can't do this. So, uh, you know, I'm either not going to go or I'm just going to throw in the towel because I, you know, I can't carry my gun. Well, no, you should have other tools and skills at your disposal. And what are those? If you haven't got that figured out yet, maybe you should look into that. 
Yeah. And, and I'll reiterate, you know, everybody, we have listeners that are, you know, probably 80 years old, people in wheelchairs, and then people in the prime of their life that are, you know, extremely strapping young men that can, you know, do uh, all kinds of things. But, um, you know, wherever you are physically, um, at least know your ability and, and, and at least understand, okay, I'm not as quick as I was when I was, you know, 30 years old or whatever. Um, therefore, I need to be even more alert of, of, of potential, you know, people getting too close or, or paying attention to, to where I'm walking and, and what I'm doing. And, and like you said, the, the things in the environment that you can grab, I mean, there may be, a, a fire extinguisher there there may be a trash can there may be a folding chair or you know all kinds of different things in your environment that you you are looking around and saying if somebody comes with the edged weapon i don't you know I, distance is a, is a friend you know it might be something as easy as simple as a folding chair that may be enough you don't have to you know know how to choke somebody out to be able to have some sort of defense so don't um don't chalk it up to you know i'm doomed and at the same time it might this hopefully this conversation if if you know you are um able bodied to to say yeah, I train, you know, X amount of time with my firearm, but I don't spend any time with unarmed combatives. Hey, maybe, maybe this is a, a you know, maybe this is the conversation that kind of says, yeah, I, I, I want to do that and, and seek that type of training as well and be balanced as, because uh, self-defense isn't just about having a gun. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Amen to that. No, that, that's, well, so let's segue briefly into a video that you recently shared with me, mm-hmm. um, which was from Buffalo, New York, was it? Yes. Uh, it was a methadone clinic uh, in this uh, surveillance video where a man comes into the front entryway of this clinic, which is all secured. Like to get into the clinic itself, it looks like they've got some kind of electronically controlled uh, uh, you know, with a lock door. Um, there's a reception desk area, and there's a security guard in the entrance, an uh, unarmed security guard. And this man comes in with an AR-15. Mm-hmm. You know, in a state where, with, and you see, he's got a, he's got a large capacity magazine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the hate mail. Somebody saying, no, that's a standard capacity magazine. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, but he comes in with a it looks like a standard thirty round mag AR fifteen rifle in a state where, you know, those are harder and harder to get all the time supposedly, and because this is in New York, uh, dude comes in, pops off around within like the first three seconds of stepping through the door, and he, he can't really hear what's being said or anything, but obviously he's there to. I guess, rob the place or do something. It didn't appear to me that he was intent on this being purely a massacre because he would have probably just come in and started shooting the the security guard right away Mm -hmm. and shooting the people behind the reception desk, which he didn't. He came in and fired off, you know, into the wall, whatever that was. Uh, I'm not sure what was, you know, what was on the other side of it or whatnot, but apparently nobody was injured in this whole uh, ordeal, at least seriously. There may have been some in the uh, uh, 
you know, fight that ensued. But basically, the security guard ends up going hands-on on this guy, right? And getting gaining control of him and his weapon. And then eventually, one or two other guys step in as well and kind of help with that and make sure that uh, they get him secured. Okay, so interesting contrast, you know, from how certain other recent events unfolded uh, by that. You know, you had a disgruntled Walmart employee manager even that decided to murder several of his colleagues and then turn the gun on himself uh, in Virginia recently. Uh, That's a terrible, terrible thing. And, you know, nobody apparently was able to affect or create an effective defense against him and stop him. Uh, Turn our attention to this uh, Club Q shooting in Colorado Springs. I mean, that's near to me. Uh, so it hits close to home. Uh, but you have uh, this gay club, right? Bunch of people, a lot of people enjoying themselves. And this man comes in and murders a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, a few of them, including a Marine, uh, you know, just step in. I think he was a Marine, right? Or was he? Uh, Army, I think. Oh, he was Army. Okay. Well, either way. I was, you know, you're a Marine, so <laughs> you, you would know, but. Trying to give you Marines credit. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but like kudos to these men in that club that uh, stepped up as soon as they could and stopped this man from doing more damage. Um, these were, you know, the security guard in Buffalo, New York, these these men in Colorado Springs, they didn't have weapons on them, mm-hmm. you know, they but they were not totally defenseless. Yeah. It, it, and that that that's really important to rec- recognize. Yeah, and I know on on our website we had uh, published I don't know maybe a year ago, two years ago now maybe might be even longer a course from Matt Numeric called uh, I think it was Close Quarters Defensive Tactics or something like that. Um, and in that he talked about uh, you know broke down uh, gun disarms and things like that. And and we're not talking you know the the theatrical gun disarms. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Um, here here's what what i am talking about is having something having something in in your i hate to word use the word but having something in your toolbox that allows mm-hmm. you to say look um and and I, I i believe that you know gun disarms disarming somebody of a rifle especially uh is is easier than mm-hmm. a pistol um, you can gain control over a rifle much easier than a pistol, at least. Um, but, you know, having an idea that, you know, it's not like, hey, he's going to do this. I'm going to sweep and I'm going to grab the gun and, you know, take it apart before he even knows. We're not talking about Jackie Chan stuff. We're talking about having something in your arsenal to say, look, somebody came in and I cannot get out of this venue. This dude came in. He's not just coming here to you know, demanding some methadone because he, he, he wants drugs. Um, so he's going to crank off some rounds to, to scare people. He doesn't really want to shoot me. He, maybe he will. Um, we're talking about, you know, somebody comes in, just starts blasting people. Are you going to intervene? I'm not saying you have to, but if you've made that decision and you're unarmed, what are you going to do? And so, you know, you use those improvised weapons. You may, it may be, um, you know, looking at videos and watching people disarm. Uh, there's plenty of videos of gun disarms and things. And not that like, again, not teaching a tactic, but saying, all right, 
I can do this and, and these are some practical uh, ways that I can do it. And then seeking out some training, getting some, getting whatever training, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to lower the bar and say, you know, any training is good training, but any training is better than no training. So start somewhere and see where it leads you. And, you know, um, again, I'm not saying, you know, watch a YouTube video and say you're, you know, you're a black belt. I'm saying watching a video is better than not having any idea of how to disarm somebody. And so, and then go and, 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 uh, pursue these things more. But, um, I, I was kind of encouraged by, by those dudes in that, in that, uh, club that, you know, they, they just, they just acted and they said, I'm, I'm not going to just hide and cower. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to hide. I'm going to fight. And, um, and we need that. I mean, uh, again, I'm not telling anybody they have to do something, but, um, you know, if yeah. the only time that you would intervene to save somebody's life or to, to help somebody is because is when you're armed, I, I mean, that that's eliminating your ability to help people. And, uh, yeah, when people are getting gunned down, it's not the time to be a coward. Right. That's just my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's about that time. We probably start uh, wrapping this up and, and or summarizing things. And I was just thinking, you know, I don't know whether we've done this topic, at least as the, as far as the title of this episode is concerned, uh, justice, managing risk in a violent world. Because uh, again, we we could go deeper and deeper and broader and broader, but um, it was really just in, inspired by my own personal recent uh, experiences, and uh, you know, brought it to the forefront. You know, once again, as it has in my life many times. But the, the whole point here, I think, of this episode today, what we would hope that you would take away from this is that look, life is uh, is a complex thing. And we all come from a variety of places and backgrounds and experiences. And we also have a, a variety of uh, interests and, and things that we like to do. Um, living our lives inherently has some measure of risk, risk of failure, risk of injury, you know, just playing sports or mountain biking or uh, driving your car. Okay. <laughs> all these things just to live your life and just to enjoy even innocuous appearing things, um, there is some amount of inherent risk. Living life has risk. And if you're going to eliminate risk, you're probably not enjoying life very much. But working with risk, assessing risk, I mean, the, the, the assessment piece here is kind of the difference between so I used to be really heavy into mountain biking uh, back when I was a young adult. Seven, like about 16, I started getting into it. 17, I got really serious. 18, 19, I was, I mean, I was mountain biking, uh, race, mount, uh, racing and mountain bike races, you know, and going to Moab and riding some crazy stuff. Um, as a young, young man that was uh, not as risk averse as I am now as an older man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I probably did some things on a mountain bike and rode some trails and jumped off some things that I, that I probably shouldn't have, um, looking back at it now, but at the time, you know, it's, it seemed important to me and I did those things and I enjoyed those things. 
And I think back fondly to my memories of uh, some of the extreme mountain bike, you know, riding that I once upon a time did. Uh, many of it with my best friend at the time. And, but here, here's a quick little, you know, one more story that I'll share. Uh, he and I made a trip to a week long trip to Moab, Utah, and we wanted to hit all of the, you know, kind of top trails, you know, for mountain bikers there and that, uh, in that Mecca of outdoor sports, you know, whether you are into jeeping, off-roading, mountain biking, hiking, climbing, base jumping. I mean, you can pretty much do it all there in Moab. Um, but, uh, we, you know, we rode some, some trails, uh, and a lot of the trails are rated, you know, like I can't even remember now. It's been so long. I feel that, that feels sad, but you know, like this was a level two or a level three or a level four kind of thing, you know, and, and, uh, we started off with some, some easier ones, right. You know, just get, just getting our feet wet, making sure we, you know, understood the lay of the land a little bit. And as the week progressed, we were riding progressively more difficult, more difficult things. And I remember this one trail we rode and there was two options. And one option was more of a safe route that you could take. And the other one was, was a bit riskier. And we, uh, we, we, we assessed that and thought we, you know, based on how, like we got to where the fork of the trails was and we're like, well, the safe one looks pretty bland and boring and that's just not us. So we looked at the other one and we're like, the way it's starting out looks certainly doable. So yeah, let's do that. We got about a third of the way down this next stretch of the trail that was right along a, a cliff face. And suddenly it got really, really scary. <laughs> like one wrong little move and you're not just crashing your bike. You're like launching yourself off a 500 foot cliff. That's a, that's something you don't come back from. So, <laughs> um, the point was we were there to enjoy ourselves and we took some risks that we felt were worthwhile and were fun, but there came a point where it was like, this is a, this is a step too far. And even as an 18 or 19 year old kid, uh, you know, fortunately had the wherewithal to recognize, you know what? I feel like a chump getting off my bike and walking it through this next se section. I feel like a wimp, you know, but I think that's what I, that's, I think that's a smart thing to do here. Um, because while I felt like I had the capability skill wise to ride it, I just didn't think it was worth it. Right. And there was still plenty of other fun to be had. And so I think that, I, that, that, that memory came back, back in my mind as we've been having this conversation of just understanding what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do as that balances with, you know, accomplishing what you want to accomplish in life. Guys, you can't eliminate all risks from our lives. And if we tried to do so, it would make for a miserable existence. So get out there and grab life by the horns. Do those things that you want to do. Pursue your life, live your best life. And do your best to assess the risks as, as you know, appropriate and manage them where possible. Uh, I think there's a lot of fun to be had. And, you know, whether it's uh, going on a cruise, like our friends at the Active Self-Protection crew, you know, they recently went on a cruise, uh, John Korea and Neil Widener, and their wives went on a cruise. Well, can't carry a gun on that cruise. I remember John made a little post about that. 
but they had a great time, you know, a memory making time. I just had a memory making time with my daughter last night and something that I think will be cherished by both of us for the rest of our lives. And it would have been oh so easy to be like, nah, I can't carry a gun. Not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So manage risk, enjoy life, and have a plan for when things get violent. Be my summary. Yeah, right on, man. What, what's your last uh, little statement? I guess I can't top that, man. That, that's that's perfect. I you know, it, I I hope you know if you've jumped in halfway through the podcast and you've only heard parts of it, uh, listen to the whole thing because it you know context matters when we're talking about these types of things and there is some nuance and and stuff like that. So um, make sure that you're not just hearing hey you know throw caution to the wind and you know, who cares where you go. And that's not what we're saying at all. Um, it, it's all about, you know, trying to balance and, and manage risk. It's a, it's a violent world. It is. And you can't change that. Uh, you can just manage the risk. And, and uh, I, I hope there's some, some things that you can take from the podcast that you can apply in your own life and uh, we'll help you out. Yeah. Thanks so much, Matthew, and appreciate you as always being our producer and <laughs> lining up this episode for us. Hey, folks, uh, before we let you go, uh, what, again, a shout out to our sponsors of today's episode, Silencer Shop, uh, purveyors of all things silencers. Uh, can't, I can't recommend them enough as far as the selection they have available. Uh, their prices are always reasonable, and I know that there's always things on sale. And they've got specials and they've had some stuff this past week, you know, with the uh, Black Friday and whatnot. Uh, sometimes like one of my favorite deals I, I've, I've seen that comes up periodically is where they'll give you a free tax stamp. Basically, they'll cover your $200 fee that has to get paid to the ATF relative to applying for your suppressor, uh, uh, pay, you know, for your, your, your Form 4 or whatnot. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I thought about doing it, but I just, you know, it's already this much for the suppressor and then another $200. Well, look for one of those kind of deals. It's totally worth it. And then the other thing that holds people back is, well, you know, the paperwork and having to wait. Guys, just get it done. I waited longer than I should have. I, you know, I've picked up my first suppressor a number of months ago now, and I'm about to go pick up my second. And I'm super excited about that. And I know the wait will have been worth it. Today's other episode sponsor, Mountain City Supply, for also purveyors of great functioning, shooting, and highly accurate ammunition. You know, I did a two and a half inch group, uh, five shot group at 50 yards with their nine millimeter ammo uh, a few months ago. Uh, I've never shot a group that tight in my life at that distance with a handgun. It was phenomenal to witness, and they are who I trust for my ammunition needs for training or comp- competition ammo check them out mountaincitysupply.com so with that guys we're gonna let you go we appreciate you all thanks for your support of the show don't forget to share it with your friends family uh, other like-minded folks and individuals and don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast our youtube channel our facebook page and follow us wherever you you can uh, you know if you ever want to reach out Hit us up at the podcast at concealedcarry.com uh, email address or find one of us on social media and, and message us. Always happy to help you out wherever I can. Until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Take care.